<clears throat> All right. Hey, Reg. What's going on, sir? How you doing? Yeah? Thumbs up? That's good. Not a lot of people can say they're doing well, right? It's a tough world out there. So consider yourself already ahead of the game. <laughs> How's that for a little uh, optimistic? Uh, put, put, you know, put that on a T-shirt, right? Listen to me, Mr. Optimism today. Wow, we better, we better uh, go quick then and, uh, and capture it while I'm still in this, uh, this positive mood before the cynical Elton Jim rears his ugly head again. <laughs> Ready to go? Good, good. Let's go. Levels look fine. Keep them there. I'll give you the three S's. I'll give you the uh, music. You give me the. Um, no, I'll give you the three S's, and I'll give you the countdown. You give me the music, and I'll I'll give you the podcast. Right? Yeah, I don't know. You haven't been with me from the beginning, but today is actually uh, as close as we can, I think, to um, an anniversary of when I think uh, the podcast was on. Pretty sure this week, sometime. Yeah. Eight years, right? Yeah, eight years. No, 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 no. Seven years. Seven years. Seven years. Don't get. Don't get it. Don't put the. Don't put the uh, the cart in front of the horse. Think about that one. Yeah, seven years this year. Okay, ready? Here we go. Star smile strong. Three, two, one. Hey, it's Elton Jim Toronto, and this is Captain Podtastic. And welcome to another episode of Elton Jim's Captain Podtastic. Every Monday, a new episode is posted at WGNRadio.com or wherever you go to find your favorite podcast. We are there. And don't forget, just listening to the podcast, it may certainly fulfill you with a certain amount of entertainment information. And overall good feelings, and that's fine for you, but what about the others? Wouldn't you want others to feel that way as well? Sure you do. We're all in this together. So get out there and tell your friends, tell your family, tell anybody who listens to a podcast that your favorite podcast is Elton Jim's Captain Podtastic, and it should be theirs too. Your loyalty and devotion, oh, always appreciated. If you like what you hear... Don't forget, you can go to WGNRadio.com anytime you want, day or night. Go to the podcast prompt, hit that prompt, you'll get another prompt for this podcast, and my gosh, talk about your cup runneth over. Podcast after podcast, just sitting there waiting for you to click on and listen to, going back two, three, four years. Just keep scrolling down and scrolling down. You'll see more and more. It's always good to know where we've been so you'll know where we're going. And right now we're going to episode number 365. Yeah, 365. That's just kind of a neat number, right? That's how many days in the year there is, 365. While we're speaking of days and dates and numbers... Um, I don't have the official date when it was posted, but as I look at the calendar and see when this podcast will be posted, as I often say, I do record these a couple of days in advance, so the technical 
post-production, if you will, in post. That's what we call it in the business. Then you can fix it up in post. Post-production, meaning after you've, you, you've done the original content, then you can go back and tweak things. We don't do any overdubs here. Like they always talk about in albums or especially live albums, no overdubs. We don't go back and add a guitar solo. It didn't sound good. This stuff is all live, recorded live, and it gets put there. There's no overdubs. There's no edits. The only edit I do is when I record this, I do it in a couple of different um, pieces, and they are edited together, the beginning and this the entire body of the podcast and then just the end. So they're two separate Kind of in today's world, they're files. It'd be two separate tapes in the old days. Now they're two separate files, and um, they're just edited together. So it's in one flowing um, piece for you to click onto. But that's it. There's this is what 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 is uh, what is said here. It just as is might as well be live because uh, no editing is is ever done here. So just know that what you hear is what you get. When I say it, it it it's as as, as Albert Brooks said it in so well uh, in the great film Broadcast News. If you've never seen Broadcast News, you should definitely see it. Not only is it an entertaining film, funny, bittersweet, uh, dark comedy, ironic comedy. Not not a not, it's you know it's not um, it's not Animal House or uh, you know. Then comes Mary or whatever that <laughs> that movie is or what you know. It, there's no dogs biting men in the crotches. It's not that kind of movie. It's not Jackass. It's just a well written, funny movie about the broadcast world. Maybe that's why I like it so much. Uh, but it, it certainly did well at the theaters. It was Oscar nominated. William Hurt, who sadly passed away a few years ago. Holly Hunter was her big breakout movie. Albert Brooks, one of my favorite comedians of all time, so underrated. Um, his own, if you've never seen Albert Brooks' films, gosh, I wish you would go see, you know, you, especially, I'm sure they're on streaming services. I wish everybody would just look up Albert Brooks and see all of his films like um, Lost in America and Real Life and... Um, so many. I'm, I'm trying to. I'm blanking here now. Modern love, defending your life. Oh man, mother. So many good movies, and uh, so clever, so fast. Uh, and uh, he plays a a very well respected and smart and well researched journalist. And William Hurt. Plays a good-looking kind of airhead who who getting get getting far in his career to the point of being the face of the network news because he's tall and handsome and and looks the part doesn't have the brains or the capability or the knowledge or the information but it just goes to show you that in the it's kind of a a little expose on the business on the the business of the broadcast world how. Um, a lot of times it's how you look and how you present yourself more than what you know and um, and your journalistic uh, credentials, sadly. And Albert Brooks is a researcher and a reporter and um, doing a live shot 
there's a there's a plane crash, like a a, a military plane crash, and Albert Brooks is at his house. This is different. You know, this is thirty years ago. There's no internet. There's no computers like we have today. It'd be a wholly different story. But Albert Brooks is at home watching this live broadcast, and he's calling up the station and and talking to the producer and feeding Holly Hunter information about this military jet, which only he knows because he's researched it, and he's telling Holly Hunter that. Then Holly Hunter gets into William Hurt's ear, who is the anchor for this special report that comes out of nowhere. Everybody's just on the fly, and she's feeding William Hurt the information that Albert Brooks is feeding her. And, of course, it makes William Hurt look very good because he's very he's excellent and smooth on the air. He's got that talent. He might not be a journalist. He may not be the smartest guy in the world. He may not be the most knowledgeable, but he has a way of communicating on television. Good-looking guy, good, you know, good uh, manner, and uh, very smooth. And so while Albert Brooks is a little frenetic, He's got all the information. So Albert Brooks is feeding Holly Hunter the, the, the information, and Holly Hunter is then feeding it to, to William Hurt. And William Hurt, as I said, comes off like uh, very knowledgeable and smooth as he's asking the questions and, and dropping in these little nuggets of information. Oh, and does, isn't, that, uh, isn't that fighter jet uh, only have this? Or doesn't it? You know, so you know, he makes him look like he's the smartest guy on earth. And, uh, and Albert Brooks can see this he, he he realizes what william hurt has uh it's that on screen on camera manner it's not the information he's not a great journalist but he's a good broadcaster and that's the difference and uh albert brooks sits there at his house as william hurt is basically like his ventriloquist dummy if you think about it uh, but he'll get all the accolades, right? William Hurt will get all the accolades because people will be seeing Albert Brook or will be seeing William Hurt uh, conduct this interview with uh, with all this information seemingly at his fingertips, but it's really coming from Albert Brooks at his house. And when it's over, Albert Brooks just looks at the TV and shrugs, realizing the realities of this business and where he is in it, and he just says... <laughs> I say it here, and it comes out there. <laughs> well, I say it here, and it comes out there. I'm doing both ends here. We're no editing. Getting back to my original comment. No editing on this podcast. It's live to digital. They used to say live to tape, but <laughs> there's no tape anymore. Everything's digital. So we're live to digital. As I've said many times, it's a... Hopefully, a uh, a weekly dialogue between you and me, and hopefully there's about a million of you, you and me's out there, but right now, I'm in your ear, and uh, so that's the way I look at it. Thank you for listening. Uh, it's been now, as I look at the at the calendar, today, this week, as this podcast is posted, is this podcast, Captain uh, Elton Jim's Captain Podtastic, it is this podcast's seventh anniversary in May 
of 2016 is the first time I recorded a podcast, and it was posted. I'm pretty sure I recorded it sometime in May, like on May 15th or 16th initially, or that week, and then it was posted that next Monday. So once again, I did this before. I'll have to do it again. Uh, I'll have to look as to what that next Monday was because I'm almost positive. I, I do have the information somewhere buried. I should have looked it up beforehand, but um, but I just know that we're right. It's not the exact date anyway, so what's the difference? But we are in year seven, officially, seventh year of doing the podcast from 2016. You remember 2016? <laughs> I was um, I was at a retinal specialist. I've talked about this on the air. I, I, I have to get an injection in my eye because I had a... A venal occlusion, if you will. And I've had that for... That's where I got the eight years. I've had that for eight years. Uh, 2015. I've been doing that for eight years. I've been doing this for seven years. <laughs> and I still get that shot about every two and a half months or so. And uh, when I went for my last appointment, it was right around the anniversary and I was talking to the assistant who prepares me for the injection. It only takes literally two seconds, the actual injection. And it's, you're numbed, and so it sounds a lot worse than it is. But um, so I said, I think, I think this is you know, my, my, uh, my eighth anniversary. And she looked in her... Um, you know, looked in her files and she said, you know, on, online and she's like, yeah, it is. It's eight years. I said, yeah, it was like, you know, April of 2015. And I looked at the young woman and um, who was the assistant there, technician, preparing me for this. And I said, uh, <laughs> were you, you were probably in, in grammar school in high school eight years ago, right? <laughs> She was in her, I'm sure, in her early to mid-20s. And I was like, you were probably in high school when this first happened to me. I said, did you even think that you would be doing this eight years ago? <laughs> well, I was in this chair getting this shot. You were, you know, you were in biology, hopefully, doing getting good grades. <laughs> or maybe you were in social studies or algebra. I don't know what year you were in, but... Uh, it's amazing how we find ourselves where we're at uh, and how time flies. And like I said, this woman was probably in high school with no idea. I even asked, I said, do you think that you were going to be? And she's like, no, I really didn't. And who knows what she wants to do? Uh, I'm not sure if this is, uh, she's young. Maybe she's still in school. Maybe she's studying to be a retinal specialist herself. I don't know. I'm just saying. Eight years is eight years. Long time. But yeah, we've been doing this uh, podcast now for seven years. Uh this uh, this week, for those of you who have been listening since day one, thank you so much. Um, you know, the, last week the podcast was a day late. There were some technical problems that, that happened in posting it, and those were cleared up the next day. But I have to say, I, it was it was it was nice because several people emailed me via, you know, or, or made comments on my uh, Facebook page or direct messaged me on my Facebook page. Hey, where's the podcast? It's usually posted every Monday morning. Where is it? 
And uh, I've got, I got several of those messages. And so it was very nice to see that, uh, that hopefully this podcast uh, means something to someone. And it's part of your weekly routine, and I love that. And so thank you very much for your loyalty. Whether you've been here since Podcast One in uh, 2016, or you found us along the way and you've been with us for five years, or six years, or three years, or two years, or two months, or one week, Whatever it's been, thank you for making this podcast a part of your, uh, of your weekly routine. I enjoy doing it. I hope you enjoy listening to it. And uh, onward to 2024 when I'll be talking to you probably again next year and saying, what now? Is it eight years already? Can that be? <laughs> What I do want to talk about uh, is involved with radio. Um, for those of you who have been with this podcast from day one, uh, I would assume that most of you are here because of the work that you heard me do for about six years or so on um, on WGN Radio from 2009 to the end of 2014, so almost you know five years or so, almost six years, if you count the actual year, um, as part of the Gary Meyer Show that was the afternoon drive show on WGN, very successful show, fun to do. I, I, I'm still uh, saddened that it was uh, it was taken off, and um, I but I am. Uh, heartened and complimented that every so often people will still mention how much they enjoyed that show, uh, mention how much they enjoyed my work on it on a daily basis, working with Gary Meyer, and um, and how people will still remember so many moments and segments that happened on that show in great detail, some that I don't even remember anymore. And I was there, I was doing them, and I don't remember. And people still remember, they say, remember that time you guys did this? Remember that time you guys said that? Remember you did this? Remember you did that? And sometimes I do, I have a pretty good memory, and I do catalog all those things. But sometimes, you know, it's a four-hour show every day for five and a half years. Um, it, uh, you know, you can't remember everything. And some people are, they they just have some exact detail crystal clear memories of a of a certain segment or a certain bit or a certain thing we did and uh, and just to hear them talk about it and uh, and smile and they it's just it, it feels really good so thank you for that and that's probably where most of you you know if you you listen to me maybe that's where you hear me now the last uh wow well you figure now that's almost eight years uh seven seven and a half years maybe that uh, i've been filling in on wgn uh periodically and appearing somewhat regularly periodically i guess you would say the same thing uh with dean richards on his sunday um morning show so who knows where you have heard from me or about me i'm not sure how you found it but uh but certainly um my radio work was the introduction uh to most of you, if not all of you, who listen to this podcast. 
And of course, as I said, that was on the station of which you're listening to uh, the the website where this podcast is originated at the WGN Radio podcast, our our, uh, website. WGN Radio, 7.20 a.m. last year, celebrated its 100th birthday. And it was one of the first radio stations in this country I've been fortunate to have worked for two of the founding companies in broadcast uh, history. One of the reasons why WGN Radio is one of the oldest stations in the country is because Zenith Electronics was one of the founding electronic companies that helped um, develop Radio signals. Now, we've heard about Marconi in Italy. I mean, there's been people in Tesla. We've heard about all these these people all around the world, right, who were, were major contributors to uh, and innovators and pioneers uh, and, and scientists who played major roles in, in the development of our communication systems throughout the world. But in the United States... Um, Chicago plays a very important role in the development and distribution and foundation of broadcast communications. Everything that you see today and you use today harkens back to those days in the early 20s with radio. Radio started this whole thing. Uh, the, the idea that there were waves in the air that can not only be transmitted, but also received. Uh, radio gave birth to television. Television gave birth in, in many ways uh, to, uh, to the computer in terms of, once again, the broadcasting and transmitting of information. We hear these these words every day now that used to be very technical words in the electrical world, like broadband. How much broadband do you have, right? You've probably used that word before. That's that's a, a fairly technical and specific word to electronics and the and the transmission of technology and and and, and signals and content. Now, we've used that word and we've applied it to, as an example, to our regular world. If you have a lot of information that you are carrying and conveying to someone else or your your, your company is trying to uh, have a lot of information, well, what's your bandwidth? What's your, your broadband? What's your bandwidth? That's another word, bandwidth. How much Information can you handle? Broadband, broad bandwidth. These were electrical terms that now have come into our regular usage. But uh, it all started with radio, and it all started with AM radio. Uh, before there was FM, there was AM, and now we all know 
that there are these two bands, once again, band with, broad band, two radio frequency bands. That word is is around with us probably more than we um, more than we realize, but it's all involved in that. The AM band, the FM band, CB. What's a CB? Citizen band radio. You know, smaller, shorter distance that citizens used. You know, truck drivers and other people. It was a shorter, smaller. Uh, distance didn't have as much bandwidth broadband is what makes things go quicker than the analog but um but yes uh the radio industry in many ways it, i don't know if you can actually say it was founded here because a lot of people in a lot of different places were doing work in this field in the 20s but Zenith Electronics, based here in Chicago, was a forerunner, uh, and uh, and really uh, elevated and propelled the communications and broadcast industry as they developed their radios and the radio technology to then create the radio and sell them as consumer products in very, you know, very crude forms initially with huge pieces of, of, uh, of equipment, giant rooms worth. And they would, they would, they would drive around in, um, in, 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 vehicles with these makeshift mobile units in order to test it so much goes into that technically to, to we we you know we take so much for granted technology wise in our daily life on the computer we hit you know we hit on and we hit click and if it doesn't move fast enough we're all screaming you know that, that's why you see 5g 10 others 10 g's how many g's are we going to have as I said, when I when I uh, <laughs> a couple of years ago now, when I uh, when I upgraded to a a smartphone because my my existing phone didn't have five G and the whole Sprint network was going to five G, they said, you know, you can't use your phone anymore. You're going to have to get a, a new phone because your phone won't handle our our new elevated high powered network that all the cell phones are going to be on. And that's what really got me. I was using a small, it wasn't a smartphone at all. I don't know what you'd call it. <laughs> it was just a cell phone. It really was. Um, but I remember saying then, I don't need 5Gs. I, I, don't even know what I'm, I don't even know what I would do with 1G. And now we're going to have 10Gs. How many Gs are we going to use? We just, we just went up to 5. Now I'm seeing commercials for 10. I was getting by using 1G, maybe a half a G. I didn't need 5Gs. I, don't, I certainly don't think I need 10. But they're out there, apparently. We need them. So we take so much for granted. We, we click on and we want instant connectivity and instant ability to, uh, to receive and send messages and information. Uh, but in the early days of radio, uh, a lot of technical and, and reality things 
about how high to send those signals because they can be they can be distorted or blocked by trees and uh, and buildings so how high do you notice when you drive especially in any big city with skyscrapers in you know downtown areas like here in downtown chicago do you notice that when you're driving downtown your am signal you can hear but your fm signal a lot of times gets um is weak and and, and drops out because the am signal is higher in the um, and stronger of i mean it's crazy to think that there's these invisible waves right isn't that just crazy to think that when you turn on a radio in live time and not a satellite radio that's a whole different you know technology as well and that's even crazy too when you listen if you have a, a, a satellite radio that's that 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 signal coming to your car is literally coming to your car from space. How crazy is that? When you turn on your radio in your car, AM or FM, there's these waves that are that are floating in the air that are being received by by this mechanism. And we don't feel them, we don't see them, but they're there. How did they ever know they were there? Or that they could do that. It's some of our technology is amazing, and we take so much of it for granted. But the people that were developing this stuff, oh, they, the, the trial and the error and the intelligence and the the creativity and the ambition. Oh, you really have to take your hats off to them. And as I said, in the Chicago area, and then ultimately around the country, the Zenith Electronics Company became one of the countries, if not the world's leading uh, radio technology developers, and then ultimately one of the leading radio manufacturers. And then through radio, which became dominant then in the 20s and 30s and 40s, and still into the 50s, and then in the 50s, in the late 40s and early 50s, we begin to get commercial television. Once again, Zenith, electronic leader, innovator. The quality goes in before the name goes on. I worked in public relations for Zenith, so I, I know some a, a good chunk about its history because that was my job. Um, and, and then Zenith's at the forefront in the development of television. And the television studios were built here. The, the famous Kennedy-Nixon debate, which basically tilted the election for Kennedy because he came off so well, like I talked about earlier on broadcast news. John F. Kennedy looked so presidential and looked so calm and cool during that debate. And Richard Nixon was sweating on his upper lip and he looked uncomfortable. And it was because of television, and that was the the first time that people really understood the power of television. You know, Kennedy only won by won by five thousand votes across the whole country, right? At that time, I assume there were forty eight states. I don't think Alaska and uh, and Hawaii were states yet. Uh, so five thousand—that's a thousand votes a state not just 
you know, 1,000 votes per state. That's, 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 that's so, that's like a sliver. And many people believe that it was the, the televised debate that came right from here in Chicago at the CBS studios is what turned the corner for John F. Kennedy because he looked so calm and cool and collected on television. He looked presidential and Richard Nixon was sweating and his makeup was, he didn't have any makeup on. He had a five o'clock shadow. Uh, he just didn't look as good as Kennedy did, who'd put makeup on. Kennedy was very savvy. He put makeup on, and he was—he looked uh, like he was a leader. Many people that what was it, and that was really another interesting point is that many people that watched the debate on television, and many people who listened only to the debate on radio and weren't able to see the candidates had completely different conclusions and perception on who won. The people that watched the debate, who were looking at the candidates as they spoke, visual, you cannot underestimate the power of the visual in the human being. We are... Yes, we all, right now, you're listening, right? So you're using your audio senses. That's all you've got. But you know, as good as anyone might be in describing a beautiful flower or a beautiful sunset, when you see it, that's when it makes an impact on you. We are visual creatures. You know, we already know that our audio perception and abilities are not as good as many most animals animals have great and 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 elevated hearing dogs cats our hearing is is okay it's pretty good it's gotten us along this far but it's not as good as some of our of our other uh, fellow members of the animal kingdom we are far down on the list when it terms in terms of of uh, audio perception and even visual perception too. But in terms of what affects us, it is we are visual visual creatures, and so the people that were watching the Kennedy Nixon debate broadcast from here in Chicago in 1960, who watched it. They were like, "Whoa, Kennedy won this debate going away. Look at how nervous. Look at how how." Um, how disheveled and uh, and and just unreliable Nixon looks, and look at how calm and cool and collected and strong and powerful and presidential Kennedy looks. They weren't necessarily listening. I mean, they were. They were hearing the words coming out, but they were seeing the entire package, the visual as well as the audio. And the people that watched the debate said Kennedy won. Now, the interesting part is that those that did not have a television or those that did not watch it on television, but those who listened to it on the radio, they were just listening to the content, listening to the answers to the question, weren't seeing Nixon's five o'clock shadow as opposed to Kennedy's uh, seemingly tanned face. They weren't seeing Nixon's sweaty upper lip 
as opposed to Kennedy's calm and cool demeanor. They weren't seeing uh, Nixon's sweaty brow and uh, and and movements and 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 and, right, and and touching his face and wiping the sweat, as they were just looking at Kennedy, whose hands were folded in front of him with his perfectly quaffed parted hair. It was such a difference visually. But those who listened just on the radio and listened to the content of the answers and what was said and how they were delivered in the spoken word and not added with the visual, many people, if not most, said Nixon won it. And that was the takeaway from that. Tell of the power of the visual, the power of television. At that time in 1960, um, we were just beginning to grasp the power of television. Television was not, uh, it was around in the mid-40s, the capabilities of it. A lot of this stuff was always used in the military. Most of our technologies were always used and developed initially for military purposes and then found their way into the commercial and consumer worlds. So the ability to send pictures over these waves was there for a long time. But in terms of it really being an impact and being something that became a fixture in people's homes where that's how you decorated around the television because that was the main source of attention in your room, that didn't happen until the early to mid-50s and even late 50s and early 60s. If you ever see some old footage, you'll see that many people are watching the information on some of the the biggest events of the day um, from the windows of of electronic and television stores because they were selling the TVs and they had the TVs on in the window and most people didn't have televisions in their house. They were too expensive at the time. So people would gather outside of electronic stores or TV stores or appliance stores to watch the television, to see the news of what was happening. What a different world we have today, right? Now you can, right now on your, on your phone, you can click up anything you want. It's amazing. But, um, but the early days of communications, broadcast communications, started right here in Chicago and started with Zenith Electronics. And one reason why WGN Radio, WGN AM Radio, is one of the oldest radio stations in the country, more than 100 years now, is because at the time, the Chicago Tribune, obviously based in Chicago, owned by another maverick, Colonel McCormick, uh, was putting together a media empire. Before radio, the only main conveyance of information, of course, was the newspaper, print. And when this capability started to broadcast information via the airwaves on a radio, and since it was right in his backyard here in Chicago, Colonel McCormick had the insight and the the vision to say, well, if I'm in the communications business of print, then I should get on the ground floor of this as well. If my newspapers are the distributing, uh, the distribution point for information to the people, 
the fact that this can is is instant and go over long periods of uh, long long distances this is the future at the very least it's a companion to the newspapers it's done in a different way and and the biggest advantage obviously is urgency you know once a once print is put on a paper the paper loses its urgency that's why newspapers and magazines are in such trouble in today's world because the speed that we have now with the internet is so instantaneous but it was the same kind of a of a of a paradigm that was was happening back in the 20s with the develop, development of radio the speed and the urgency of print was overcome by radio I could go, if if you had a radio I could tell you what just happened now you wouldn't find out until tomorrow why do you think when you see all those movies those black and white movies from the 40s and 30s there's 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 guys on the corner going extra extra read all about it extra extra do you ever under, do, you, do you ever understand where extra came from that wasn't that wasn't a a, a phrase that they just made up Extra, extra, read all about it. You know, Americans uh, attacked by Japanese at Pearl Harbor. Extra, extra. What that means is the newspapers traditionally were printed once a day in the morning to start your day off with the new, uh, the new, the news of the uh, of of the day and what happened overnight. Then they began to do do it twice a day in the morning because then news is happening during the day. And there would be a newspaper in the evening. But if there was some amazing breaking news, if there was some urgent breaking news, the newspapers would print an extra edition that was telling the news of the moment. That was as fast as they could get the information in those days. There wasn't this broadcast medium it was all print so the extra extra the why why the guy in the corner in those movies is screaming extra extra read all about it is because something big just happened that that the newspapers felt you shouldn't wait until tomorrow or even in the evening to hear you need to hear this now so we're going to put out an extra edition and get that out on the corners and we're we can't we're not gonna we can't even we, we can't even deliver them in the trucks like we usually do to the newsstand so we we're going to get we're going to give these into into people's hands and they're going to run out on corners and sell them as an extra edition that's the way that was the that was the quickest and urgent way to get information in the newspaper days before we had broadcast radio or television and now internet broadcast Extra, extra, read all about it. That's what it was. It was an extra edition. Could you imagine in our world today if that, I mean, just think how much slower our society and culture worked back in those days. And since that was our only capabilities, we un, we accepted that. Today's world, my gosh, we have, as I said before, we have we have instant access to the most information we've ever had in our life in, in the history of mankind and that's not an understatement and we still complain how slow my internet is 
there's sadly not that many people around that lived in the 20s and 30s anymore. But they, can you imagine the, the pace that they lived at? And that was considered, a, oh, whoa, everything's moving so fast. <laughs> it's all relative. But radio certainly changed the way our society worked and the way, and, and obviously our uh, consumption and our expectation of information delivered to us. And so it was, it was the reason why WGN has, it became one of the first and has become and remained for more than 100 years one of the major and historic radio stations in the country is because Zenith Electronics was here and was developing the radio technology and the Tribune one of the countries, and at that time, even one of the world's major newspapers, saw a business opportunity and a, com- a complementary technology to its newspapers to create an empire. And then obviously WGN Television was another piece of that. It was when now another transmission technology was developed, this time using visuals. as opposed to audio. So we started with print, we went to audio, and then we went to video, to visual. And then we went to the computer, digital binary. And that's where we're at now. And now we're at, at... Artificial intelligence. Everybody's screaming about that, and we and then we're right at the at the at the very beginning of that. No one knows what this technology is going to do, and how it can do it, and where it's going to go. And what will be interesting is, in fifty years, we'll be saying, "Remember when they were first talking about AI?" Hopefully, we're all around that in fifty years. <laughs> Maybe even thirty years. How's that? But uh, but yeah, Chicago played a major role, and uh, WGN Radio played a major role in the foundational development of radio and broadcasting. Many of the greatest events in in in, in U.S. history were broadcast on WGN Radio. So I've been lucky in my media career to have worked for, for both of those companies, the, the, the real innovators and, uh, and forefathers, forerunners of broadcast technology. And I say this all, and I give you this little mini history about radio and information because I saw a very interesting story in the last week or so. In this world of instant communication, of personalized communication. Don't forget, all those, uh, those, everything I'm talking about there, newspapers, radio, and television, were all communal-based. They were all based on, at a certain time, at that moment, the information was conveyed. And then the internet changed all that the internet is on 24 hours a day we have access to it now in our hands before we needed a radio with us 
Uh, transistor radio became a big thing in the in the 50s and 60s, the fact that you could carry this radio with you, because before that, a radio was a huge, big, those early Zenith radios were just like TVs of the 50s and 60s and 70s and 80s. These big hulking pieces of furniture that were in your house. And then the big thing was that the radio was a transistor. It was mobile with you. You can take it with you. And then, of course, what really propelled the radio was when it was put into cars. Now, at least, you know, you, you could, there was, a, there was a way that you could listen to it in your house. You can carry it with you. And then when you got in your car, you, you could almost, you could almost continuously listen to the radio for music or information or anything else. As it became more mobile, the mobility was the key. Thus, the mobile phone, right? We call it a cell phone here, but if you go into Europe and everywhere else around the country, they call it mobile. What's your no, what's your mobile number? Where's your mobile? That's the key, mobility, to take it with you. That changed everything. As I've said many times on this podcast, you cannot underestimate the... the uh, the transitory and, uh, and, and revolutionary power of the smartphone. It, took, it basically took all of those previous technologies and, and broadcast technologies, print, radio, video, and then added... The connectivity of around the world. We didn't need a satellite. We had Wi-Fi. Once again, these invisible waves. It's unbelievable that our lives are dictated by and 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 ruled by many times these invisible waves that we don't see when right now when you're listening to this. On whatever device you have, you're probably using some kind of a Wi-Fi. That signal's coming from somewhere else. The key word is else, <laughs> and uh, and that's why the 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 smartphone changed everything because we had in our pockets, in our hands, in our purses, the power that used to only reside in 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 your house, or in your car, or in some remote area where the, where the actual information and signals were being originated from. And now we, as individuals, had that power. And so now we, we watch and listen to things that we want to when we want to. We are a much less communal Society in many ways, but certainly in our information and entertainment, we are individual. We are our own television station and our own radio station and our own music station and our own information station. We decide when we want to get information and where we get it from. Before it was, this is on at you know, the 5 o'clock news, the 10 o'clock news. You get it on a radio show at this time. 
That's when this person is on, or that's when this music will be on at five o'clock. You listened together. There were it came from one spot, and you we all listened at one time when it was on. And now that that model has been blown out of the water for many years. And because of that, we've got almost two generations now that are so used to time shifting and to be and to have instant access to whatever they want informationally, wherever they are, whenever they are, whatever they want. It's an amazing power that we have. Once again, we take it for granted. But it has then diminished the once prominent industries and technologies like these broadcast companies like network television nobody watches network television anymore very little everybody's watching streaming services everybody's watching uh you know uh you know youtube i guess and and can be thought of a streaming thing but people are watching things on their computer they're listening to podcasts it's a different world the traditional networks that used to rule broadcasting, radio and television, have been decimated. Their, their viewerships and their listenerships have gone way down as newer companies have taken advantage of the newer technologies and have now become the new norm, the new networks, if you will, for a younger generation, Gen Z and the millennials, who are not tied to times and devices that are stationary. They have grown up in a time when information was available to them anywhere, anytime, anyhow, whatever they wanted. They will watch the news. They will watch videos. They will listen. They will watch movies. They will watch TV, whatever, but they'll do it on their terms when they want to. And it's, it's, it's changed, as I said before, our behavior, our attention spans. It's, 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 it's changed just in many ways, but it certainly has changed some of the, the companies and the industries that at one time dominated. I talked about the Tribune Company. At one time, the Tribune Company owned the Chicago Tribune newspaper, WGN Radio, and WGN Television, right? Print, radio, and television. Dominant company. The Tribune Company you know, was one of the biggest media empires in the world. Today, it doesn't exist. The Tribune is owned by, the show Tribune is owned by somebody else, and, news, and WGN Radio and WGN TV are owned by another company. The Tribune Company doesn't even exist anymore. At one time, it was, the, it was one of the most powerful and biggest companies in the world. But the media has vastly changed because of the internet and because of social media. But this news this week was one of those that I guess that this is the same thing that happened when radio displaced newspapers and television displaced radio. And at the time it became a big deal and then it just kind of, I guess, because I wasn't around for those major moments i'm not that old i'm not old enough to remember those times but while i'm sure there were some major questions and 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 uh and worries 
and laments as, whoa, what happened here? Remember, we used to do it this way, and now we're doing it that way, and this used to be a major part of our life. Newspapers were, were the life and blood of our communications, and now there's this radio thing, and then the same way, well, wait a minute, everybody loves radio, 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 radio. Thank you, Elvis Costello. Uh, <laughs> radio Gaga. Thank you, Queen. Uh, <laughs> um, and then television came by. And there were some people that were clinging to, I still want to buy radio. I still like listening to my radio. I still, and then all of a sudden, of course, they went and came to television. Just like me. I'm fine with my little cell phone here, with my Nokia cell phone. I'm fine. Dad, I don't need a 5G's. I don't need 1G's. I'm fine. I don't, you know what? I've had my smartphone now for, what, almost two years, maybe three years, and phew, I use it all the time. There's a moment of resistance, and then there's no question that the technology is better, it's more convenient, and not only that, but it's, it's dominant in the, in the culture. If you don't use it, you're going you're gonna to be missing things, you're going to be behind the ball, and so then you, you use it too. Maybe initially begrudgingly, and then it becomes a part of your behavior. And you can't even imagine a time when you didn't use this technology. And that's where we're at right now, sadly. For those of us who love radio, who grew up with radio, who wanted to make radio their profession, it's kind of a sad day. There was a newspaper report that Many car manufacturers are going to stop putting AM radios in their new models. Now, apparently, and maybe this is some spin, and I know about spin. I used to work in the public relations world, so I know about spin. I used to be created all the time. (laughs) Maybe... These manufacturers are using this as a way because this is a major deal. AM radio came before FM radio. AM radio has been around for more than a hundred years. It's been a, it's been a foundational bedrock of our communications world and our culture. It has been a key broadcast distribu- distribution technology that that has played a major role in this country's history it's how people found out about major events through the radio how they were entertained through the radio jack benny bob hope george burns fred allen my little margie radio people used to sit around their radios and listen just like they sit around their televisions they used to and watch TV. And right now, the way everybody sits with their head down uh, and looks at their cell phone, that's the way people used to listen to radio, captivated by it. And sadly, that technology is getting outdated. There's a new generation that has moved on from it. Those of us who grew up with it, even in the later years, it's a part of our lives. But this news is that major car manufacturers like BMW and Volkswagen and Mazda and Tesla, which is a major car maker now, right, 
in their new versions, in their new lines, in their new editions of electric cars, will not be including AM radio in the cars. Now, they claim that the AM signal interferes with electric car technology in how the car is run. And so they say we have to remove the AM radio so that we can continue to refine electric car technology because the electric radio signal and the electric car signal apparently are not compatible. Now that sounds reasonable, but I wonder if there's really another reason for this. Because Ford not only is going to stop putting AM radios in its electric cars of the future, beginning in the 2024 line, that's next year, most likely coming out at the end of this year, and ultimately down the road, but in in its Mustang line of cars, they will not include AM radios in the car anymore. The radio technology in a car is what, as I said earlier, helped propel it to become a major part of our behavior and our culture and gave it prominence. We went to the AM radio to find out news and information and music and weather and traffic and school closings and 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 the Beatles and Rush Limbaugh, whoever you or whoever you want to listen to. And it was in our cars. We spend a lot of time in our cars, whether we're driving around the country on a vacation, we're driving to work. Why do you where do you think those terms came from? Drive time radio. In the mornings, morning drive. What do you do in your car? You listen to the radio because you're going to work. What do you do on your way home? Afternoon drive. Coming home in the afternoon, you listen to your radio. A lot of times for talk radio about sports or politics or, or, or general topics, you went to AM radio. FM radio came later. Its signal was able to be broadcast in stereo, and that's where music then sounded better. And that's why FM developed and became a spot for music, because you're able to hear the music in stereo, unlike AM radio, which is mono. One speaker, not two or four. So AM radio was made for built for and still remains the dominant audio technology for talking. Not for music. Music sounds better on FM. Music sounds better on satellite. But for talking and for relaying information, important information. Still have music on AM. It just doesn't sound the same. It doesn't sound as clear and crisp and as nuanced as FM. So AM became your informational and your talk area where information, politics, 
current events, sports, uh, local especially, information about traffic when you're on your roads, weather, what's it going to be like later on today or tonight, news. AM radio has been, and still to a great degree, is where people go for that. Now, it's been interesting in the last couple of years. It's become uh, a spot where people have been complaining that it's been politicized, that a lot of the right-wing people are on the radio, and that's where right-wingers go to hear all their information, whereas more liberal-minded people are, are using the the newer technologies, and that's where they go. But there's no question about the importance and the foundational history and still the relevancy, in my mind, of AM radio. However, as I said, we've got almost two generations now, Gen Z and millennials, who, the, 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 as more platforms and options to get their information became available in their lifetimes, and as they became adults, they moved away from radio and went to those on that cell phone or other places. And so now, in, a, in what I think is a very controversial, but as I said, I'm sure back you know 100 years ago, it was controversial that we went from print to radio, right? Um, some of the leading car manufacturers have decided to not put AM radios in a car anymore. And for, and that's the electric cars. So you could say, well, okay, it's electric cars. But Ford is not going to put them in their new models moving forward. Ford, who basically started the commercial car <laughs> industry in this country, is making a pretty big decision and will certainly impact the future of AM radio. Maybe it's, maybe it's existence. Because once it's not in your car, then where is it? Where do you listen to the radio the most? Most likely in your car. You don't listen to it around the house as much. Sure, you do to some extent, but you probably listen to the radio in general mostly in your car. And without the, the option of listening to an AM station, Will that industry, will these radio stations be able to continue? I think it's a huge mistake that the automobiles are being very short-sighted. And I'll be honest with you, I think it's ageism. Now, apparently Ford has said that they did some surveys, and according to their data, only 5% of their customers listen to the AM radio. And so that's where they decided, well, if only 5% of the people who buy our cars are listening to an AM radio, then why do we need to put it in? Now, I don't know how much more it costs to put an AM radio into a car. I can't believe it, it, it adds that much you know, uh, premium. But I think they're trying to look hip and cool and it's like AM is yesterday. I mean, now if you've got a new car, you see the screen in your dashboard is almost like as big as the screen in your house. We're getting to have 25-inch screens on the dashboard. The dashboard is almost now a big television. 
And so the 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 hipster or the the designers of cars are like, you know what? We've got all these bells and whistles now, and everybody's touch screening, and and you've got satellite radio, and they and there there's this, and they can get that, and they can download this, and there's Bluetooth and Wi-Fi, and boop 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 boop, boop and nobody's using AM radio. It's it's a buggy whip. We don't need buggy whips anymore because we don't have buggies anymore. So in their mind, we don't need AM radio. But I think that is a huge, huge mistake, first of all, because I think AM radio plays an important part. It still is, for many people, the source you go to for your local weather when you're in a car, for your local traffic, for your local news. The National Broadcasting Association is certainly trying to fight this, and they're saying, you know what, a lot of, of uh, foreign language stations, which are key in, in conveying information to foreign-speaking uh, people in our country, which is a growing number, right? We're all about diversity. There's a lot of Hispanic stations and, and, and uh, like Eastern European stations, Polish stations, that speak to these, these communities and these groups in their native language, and that's where they go for their information. Then suddenly that will be gone. Now the car companies say, yes, but you know what? A lot of AM stations, are they have Bluetooth or Wi-Fi capabilities on their stations. You can go and download those if you want them. <clears throat> or you can do, you can listen to satellite. So there's other options. But they seem to be intent on getting rid of AM stations. But I think it's mostly about ageism. They view AM radio as a, as a buggy whip. And I think that's just wrong. I can't believe it adds that much money to the price of a car. And for those of us that like to listen to it and want to listen to it, we should have that option. There's all these other options in the car. Why are, we, why are you taking that one away? Now, I don't know, technology-wise, if this AM signal really is a valid reason to take it out of electric cars, but it certainly sounds like a well-spun tale that, well, how can you argue with that? If it is an ageism kind of a decision... They could blanket it in this, well, it's, we'd love to keep AM, but it's, it's impairing the ability for our electric car to work. It's not about that we just want to get rid of AM because it's an old person's or an antiquated technology. Oh, it's not that at all. It's about that we can't run our cars with an AM radio in it. I don't know if that's really true or not, I, so I can't comment on that. But certainly, with Ford... I can't believe that it's anything but ageism. Now, for those of us that had albums, then we, we, we wound up getting CDs, right? Well, have you noticed? In the last two cars I've gotten, no CD player. I can't play my CDs anymore. I even wonder, I mean, my old car does have an input for an iPod. I don't even know if the iPod input will be there anymore on my, on, another, on a new car because everybody's got Bluetooth. No connectivity. We don't want any wires. 
So we, we can't, I can't play a CD in my car anymore. And I still buy CDs to some extent, not as certainly, not as, as, as near as much as I used to, but I have all these CDs. I can't play them in my car anymore. Of where I'm at, listening to a lot of times, that's where I listen to my music, in my car. Can't play a CD. They said, no, no CDs anymore. CD players used to sell cars in the mid-80s, in late-80s. Hey, our car's got CD players in it. Used to sell them. That's what they used to sell a car. They used to put the CD player in the trunk. Hey, we've got this remote CD player, so you can play your CDs in your car because we don't have the technology in the car yet. That used to be a selling point. Now it's gone. And now AM radio. I mean, if a, if a company with the history and the reach of Ford decides to not put AM radios in cars, if they take a stand like that, we know the way companies are. They all copy each other. And if a, a company as prominent and historical as Ford Motor Company decides that they're not going to put AM radios in their cars, for the time being, General Motors and Honda and all these other major manufacturers are still saying, oh, no, we're going to have AM radio in our cars. Don't worry. But for how long? Will they go along because the other guy's doing it? I don't know. I think it's an ageism thing. I really do. But as far as things go now, they had some uh, you know, statistics, and that's why the National Association of Broadcasting is fighting this, is that still... About 60% of people listen to AM or FM radio in their cars. 16% listen to satellite. And 7% listen to their own music on Bluetooth type of device, you know, Spotify or Pandora or something like that. So still, there's a huge amount of people that are listening to the AM, FM dial. Now, Ford's claim is that well, then, then most people are still listening to the, the, the FM side, not the AM side. Only 5% are listening to, to, to AM. I, don't, I, I, I find that hard to believe. But as I said, the advantage of AM radio is it's the power of its signal. As I told you before, when you drive down by um, uh, downtown areas or large buildings, the FM signal, if that's the only signal you have in your car and you're not using your Bluetooth... Your FM signal will go out because it's a lower signal. It's blocked by trees or by buildings. So the AM signal, 50,000 watts. WGM radio, for example, goes to 37 states sometimes at night. The power of that signal, 50,000 watts, can go across the country from Chicago to Arizona. So not only is the AM signal stronger, when you need information, you can rely on it. But it is the place that we go for. FM is for music and entertainment, but AM has always been for information. Once again, traffic, weather, news, opinion. That's the, those are the staples of AM radio, and those are important to our daily lives. Isn't it easier to just hit 
AM and listen to it, then I have to download something and go on my satellite and find this and find that. Isn't it easier just to turn on your AM radio? Yes, you can do it, but why go why go to that those other extremes, especially yes, there is an ageism factor in this. But are people fifty and older not buying cars? So I think it is a a, a, a a very short-sighted, misguided, discriminatory decision with a lot of ageism stuck into it. And I'm not just saying that because I might be in that age group and that I grew up listening to AM radio. I grew up listening to WLS and WCFL, and that's where I found out about Larry Lujak and, and John Landecker and Bob Surratt, and I listened to, uh, to all these people when I was growing up in the 70s and uh, listening to the music, and that's where I got my love of music. I was an AM top 40 music kid. That's where I learned about my music. I got my first musical exposure, my first musical entertainment and knowledge and information from AM radio. So yes, I might have a little bias here, but I can't believe that putting an AM radio is going to add that much cost or be that much of a difference that I don't have that option anymore. Today's world is about options. Why are you taking an option away? Yes, there's no doubt that people in their 20s and 30s and 40s are probably buying the majority of cars, but people in their 50s and 60s are most likely buying the more expensive cars, the ones you're making more money off of. So why are you, why are you taking options away? This is, this is a world of adding options, and you're taking one away because, oh, well, no one listens to it. Well, that's not true. That's not true. So we'll see what happens on this. Um, there's certainly going to be organizations, as I said before, um, because the elderly listen to AM because they were brought up on it, it was a part of their lives, that's where they go for their information. Because foreign-speaking communities go to AM radio for their information, because a good, a good portion of the country grew up with AM radio and still go there for vital services, as I said before, news, weather, traffic, opinion. AM radio is still a very important, and I believe still a vital broadcast medium and technology. And it should not be discarded because some people don't think it's cool anymore. They said that about vinyl records in the 90s. They're not cool anymore. All the hipsters that want to get rid of AM radio, they're designing cars now. I guarantee you they all have vinyl collections. They're all hipster with their vinyl collections. But they don't realize that 25, 30 years ago, vinyl was, was, was thought to be uncool. So now they're in charge and they're saying AM is uncool. But I've got news for you. Everything is cyclical. And, the, and AM radio is such a founding part of our broadcast world that it is still a major behavioral and cultural touchstone for many people to get rid of it, to not allow that option, is wrong. 
There's a great song by Everclear called AM Radio, AM Radio. Don't you want to listen to the AM Radio? I use it on my opening when I'm on WGN. That's how so many of us, as I said before, grew up with radio. Our first, our first exposure to radio was from AM, and it still is vital today. Is it being as listened to as much and as by many as in the past? No. But what isn't? We're not getting rid of ABC from ABC and CBS and NBC, are we? The major networks? Nobody's watching the major networks like they used to be 20 or 30 years ago, but we're not getting rid of them. They're there for the option. That's what the AM radio should be in your car. If you never use it, big deal. If I'm spending $50,000 or $35,000 or $20,000 or $15,000 on a car, you mean to tell me you can't give me an AM radio? For what reason? Except you don't think it's cool. I hope this has changed. Because we, in today's world, we are discarding things. We are trying to rewrite history and we're trying to, to get rid of history. But history is, is a main harbinger of what may come in the past because history does repeat itself because humans repeat their own behavior. And we are humans. We create history. And we haven't changed all that much in our demeanors and how we act. So that's why history is important to know about. And that's why something like AM radio, which does have a place in our society, which does play a role, and which does deserve to be an option in our communication and information consumption, should not be taken out of cars. This has nothing to do with me being on the AM radio. I would be saying this if I wasn't. Because I do believe it provides a service and it provides an advantage. And there are people that listen to it. So I hope that cooler heads prevail and the other car companies do not follow suit. But I'm afraid that somewhere down the line they will. But as Freddie Mercury said, radio, someone still loves you. And so ends another episode of Elton Jim's Captain Podtastic. Every Monday, a new episode is posted at WGNRadio.com or wherever you go to find your favorite podcast. We are there. And don't forget to tell your friends, tell your family, tell anybody who listens to a podcast that your favorite podcast is Elton Jim's Captain Podtastic. And it should be theirs, too. Your loyalty and devotion is much appreciated. Hope you enjoyed episode number 365. I'm Jim Toronto. I ain't here on business. I'm only here for fun. You've been listening to Elton Jim's Captain Podtastic from the end of the web to your screen. AM radio, AM radio, AM radio. Listen to the music on the AM radio.